Good evening, everyone. My friends, every once in a while, St. Paul, not being busy, but being busy bodies. Very good, St. Paul. I'm sure we don't have any busybodies here, right? No. Of course not. Mm -hmm. My friends, uh, as we enter into the end time of the liturgical cycle, uh, one of the central images of the Old Testament throughout the New Testament is this image of the day of the Lord. And uh, we Catholic Christians meet this image every year in Advent as the start of the church's liturgical cycle. And again, in the end of the liturgical cycle, which will be next week weekend. And uh, the day of the Lord was a central belief of Jewish generations. Uh, different prophets had put their own uh, particular spin on it, depending on the time and the circumstances in which they lived. Uh, for example, Amos was a prophet of social justice. And he understandably believed that the day of the Lord, that phrase, would be a day of judgment. <clears throat> judgment in the sense of justice for God's people and condemnation for their persecutors. We have the prophet Isaiah. He envisioned it as a day of terror for sinners, Isaiah 13.9. The prophet Zephaniah saw it as a day of wrath and ruin, uh, afflicting not only the oppressors of Israel, but Israel itself, Zephaniah 1, 14 through 18. I mean, having said all of this, however, for many Hebrews, I think that they understood the day of the Lord, that phrase, with optimism. As they looked to the future with hope. Remember, uh, they were always reading the future in terms of freedom and injustice and in peace because they were always under one form of bondage or slavery uh, or another and longing for liberation. And this is their understanding. And my friends, even today, arguably, Israel is still under oppression and is still under attack. Uh, and yet we see the hopefulness of their people in the midst of this. Friends, in the early Christian church, the day of the Lord, this phrase, becomes the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that has a really different meaning for us. And it means the day of his second coming. In St. Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, however, it is a, a time of judgment. Uh, Romans 2.12, and uh, I don't refute that. Uh, but I think that we should look at even St. Paul's statement on the hopeful side about judgment because he does not see judgment as something uh, to be feared uh, for the disciples. For true believers of Jesus Christ, they are not to fear this. St. Paul says that we who are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ are already reconciled to God. Do I need to say this again? Because I don't talk about St. Paul too often because he's kind of baffling to me and Sometimes he just kind of creates a lot of tension uh, for a homilist. <laughs> but St. Paul says that we who are saved by God's grace, through faith in Christ Jesus, are already reconciled to God. And therefore, we may look forward with confidence then to the final judgment. That's Romans 5, 1 through 11. And we look forward with confidence despite the fact that we are tested often, very often, 
in this time before the second coming. In today's gospel, Jesus is talking about uh, this same time, uh, this time before his second coming. And my friends, I think all of us realize that we are in that time now. But so is every time before us. It's nothing new. I mean, we can go back and we can see it. But we agree that all the things that were said apply to us now. And it is a great time of testing. My friends, uh, our important religious and secular institutions, uh, so-called institutions of governance, governments, institutions of grace, churches, are themselves subject to audits and inquiries and court cases and scandals. And these things are challenging to our faith, and they certainly test our faith. Many of us watch family and friends perhaps drift away from the faith. Many believers no longer know with any clarity or right conviction what the faith entails anymore. And uh, uh, some of them will even question what is right and what is wrong. And my friends, self-appointed prophets and visionaries pop up everywhere. It never ends. It's like whack-a-mole for me. It just never ends. And many believers hang on. This is what really drives your pastor crazy. Many believers hang on every word of these self-proclaimed prophets and these visionaries. And yet they will not pick up the Bible and actually study the very word of God. This is what's frustrating. And this is why it takes the church so long to... Uh, recommend someone go to a particular site where a visionary has been. The church is very careful about that. But, and this is not the time and place for me to refute them, but it is really crazy that they will search them out, but they won't pick up the Bible and study with the same passion and the same fervor in which they want to read and Google these latest prophets. And these people who claim to see this and that. Jesus said, many are going to come and say, I'm he, and look there, and blah, blah, blah. Don't be fooled by them. Don't follow them. You have the very word of God. Pick it up and study it. My friends, people trash the church and its leaders while others rush to defend them as if they were the priorities of faith rather than faith's instruments. I am a servant of the Lord God. I am his priest. I work for him. He is central. He is key, not me. In the grand scheme of salvation history, we all have our part. Jesus and Jesus alone is sole priority of the faith. He must always be the center. He must always be central. Nobody is bigger than he in the church. Nobody. I mean that. Nobody. We must always keep our eye fixed upon him. He said, this time will be a time for giving testimony to him. Our faith in the Lord Jesus is tested every day. 
And every day is an opportunity to give testimony to our faith in him. He asks us to testify to his word, not the word of the latest seer and message bearer, but to him. He asks us to give testimony to his life, to his ways, by the likeness of our own, mimicking his. Not somebody else, his. And we do this through grace. He asks us to give testimony to his cross and not deny it when it enters our very lives. He asks us to give testimony to the vastness of his love and not to build barriers of exclusion against other people. Let them come to him and do not hinder them. Let them come. They can come. This place is holy. Let them come here. And don't get in their way. Oh, Father, I'm not getting in their way. Mm -hmm. You sure about that? What is your behavior that they see? They know you're a Christian. What is it that you're doing and saying that would lead them not to want to come here? You see? Then you're in the way. Get out of the way. Walk in holiness. Point here, here. If you guys don't remember, if you go to our website, the coordinates, if you put in those coordinates and follow them, you know where they go? Not to Father Mark's house. <laughs> not to the parish office. Not to the parking lot. They take you exactly behind the altar to that tabernacle. Let them put it in their GPS and come. <laughs> of course, if they get too close, that'd be brother, brother, sister, uh, in the pew, please. <laughs> if you need to go up there, I'll take you up there. My friends, the Jesus Christ must be central always. We must testify to him and him alone. We must not create barriers for others. He asks us to testify to his forgiveness of us through our forgiveness of others. In the gospel reading four Sundays ago, Jesus asked, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Luke 18, 8. And often, and I'm guilty of this too, often I think we tend to view his question pessimistically, as though he expects to find little faith or none at all when he comes again. But we can also view it with great optimism and hope should he come in our time and find us busy giving testimony to him and doing what the prophet Micah says. Micah said, you have been told, O human, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, only to do justice and to love goodness and to walk humbly with God. That's pretty simple. That's pretty simple. I chose that one particular because it's pretty simple and direct. We are to walk in holiness, loving God and loving others. You do this, and when the end time comes, whether it be Jesus Christ, Perugia, his second coming, or, as you know it, when he when death comes for you, 
to unite you with Christ. You will not be afraid. You may question, oh, I wonder what it will be like. Good. I'm glad that you question what it will be like. That tells me you believe in it. People don't question it if they don't believe it. I don't know. I don't care. That's Christians talking. I don't know. I don't care. We will better care. You're going to be spending eternity there. 